and uh, I, I was excited. I never like I was so young. I never heard of Harry Potter or anything. And yeah, I was like, yeah. uh, before that, I, um, my parents and my grandparents they read me fairy tales and just like child books and whatnot. And uh, I remember my mom reading me the very first book, and I just got, got I got hooked. Like I, I loved the plot. I loved the characters. I loved it. Yeah. Hi, my name is Anand. I'm an MBA student at the University of Toronto. Welcome to the Why Coordinate, the weekly podcast where we discuss the why behind human society and behavior, using lessons from pop culture and our own experiences to lead a more intentional, efficient, and happy life. Hello, everyone. Welcome to yet another episode of the Why Coordinate podcast. Today, I have a very special guest with me, um, Jenny Kim. Um, Jenny is one of the funniest people that I've interacted with at Rockman. Um, and uh, although uh, most of those times might not have been when we've been sober, so. <laughs> <laughs> uh, no, I'm just kidding. Yeah, so Jenny's, uh, Jenny was in my section in the last three terms. And um, yeah, Jenny, why don't you go ahead and introduce yourself to. Well, thank you. First of all, thank you for having me on your podcast. I feel really special. <laughs> I'm one of the, I want to, I'm a part of the group, but um, yeah, so my name is Jenny. I am from Kyrgyzstan. I sort of have like a small pitch when people ask me where I'm from, because I feel like not, unfortunately, not many people know where my country is located. And like, obviously they're pretty puzzled with like me being from Kyrgyzstan and then like having my background speaking Russian. So Anyways, Kyrgyzstan is a country located uh, in Central Asia, and it used to be part of the Soviet Union. So I grew up speaking Russian. Um, my grandma is Russian, but all the other part of my family is Korean. Uh, so we are Korean immigrants. And um, yeah, that's why I have, I have actually a Russian first name. A couple of professors acknowledge that. So that was, that was interesting, uh, especially like this term. Uh, I have an FSA prof and he like speaks in Russian sometimes. So that's interesting. Uh, anyways. I did my undergrad back at home. I studied econ and I worked in consulting and audit for three years, but um, I sort of, I did two things at the same time and uh, I had that experience of trying both things. And then I just kind of decided that I wanted to grow and move and, you know, experience new things. That's why I applied to Rodman I'm here. That's fantastic. We're, we're, we're very lucky to have you here, Jenny. Um, what about your like interests and hobbies? Uh, would you like to do outside of work? Yeah, so by, by the topic, people will probably realize that I'm sort of into reading a little bit. I would never say that like, I'm a, the biggest reader in the world, but I, I, it, was, it has always been one of my hobbies. Uh, I used to dance when I was younger, but I hated it. And uh, because I, my, my teacher, he was really strict and he was really like, he had like that Soviet style of teaching where they're just really pushy and they're so yeah. like, they're just so strict and they're so yeah. harsh on you. And I'm like a really sensitive, gentle soul. I just couldn't take it. <laughs> <laughs> so I, I, like I did dance, um, did dancing for six years when I was little, when I was younger. Uh, I also did choir. Mm -hmm. I do sing a little bit, uh, and my my dad, he was actually a musician. He, uh, I mean, he's not now, I guess his business, whatever, but um, I think that's something that I got from him, maybe my my passion and love for music, um, and also like a big TV junkie. I would love to, I would just love discussing shows, sort of new ones uh, with people. 
but yeah sport wise I am not uh one of those people who does sport and I hate it because I, I like I'm so jealous of people who just run all the time go to the gym and just like wow like your ethics is like it's 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 admirable honestly but no I don't really do that uh what else well I guess academics is now a hobby of mine because I <laughs> have no other choice but change my attitude towards studying um uh, but yeah I guess that's 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 lovely so what what kind of tv shows do you like to watch um well different ones I feel like with with the whole development and like involvement of Netflix hmm. this is basically the only platform that I personally have been using uh, yeah. recently and I guess like it, it's kind of like the same for yeah all, like, many people right um I recently I watched Inventing Anna and I really loved it um and I think like all the shows about con artists and like maybe not only shows but documentaries have been really popular recently yeah. Yeah. and popping up on Netflix like have you have you seen those like they're being I saw Tinder Swindler uh yeah 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 like, uh, Inventing Anna is on my list to watch yeah <laughs> yeah sure. it's a really good show and it's uh like it's a be- it's binge watch like you yeah it has like eight episodes and I guess that's Netflix strategy now they kind of analyze data and realize that people just can't handle watching 20 mm. episodes per season they're just like eight isn't is enough it's cost yeah. efficient yeah. and it's just like <laughs> this is it yeah there has also been a documentary uh released on Netflix which is called Bad Vegan and I really liked it because it's um like when you you know when you watch documentaries you sort of they have a certain point of view like they mm-hmm. have a message whether let's say a certain person um is guilty of something or not or like has done something bad like tinder, tinder swindler yeah, right like yeah. we all know like he was bad yeah. but when i when i watched that vegan i had really mixed feelings about um the main mm-hmm. person who the documentary was about the woman like you just don't know what her intentions were because yeah. it's like um what's the call like unreliable narrator yeah yeah which like pretty often like fiction and what are your thoughts about that? I find unreliable narrators to be extremely frustrating when I read or watch something which has one. Like, I spent so much time, I invested so much time listening to what you had to say and it's not even right. Like, <laughs> Absolutely. No, I get you. Because um, I feel like when you just start reading you something, you try to emphasize, like, sort of, you just want to connect with uh, the main character. Yeah. And you try to justify their actions and whatnot. Yeah. And then there is this like turn uh, yeah. in the middle of the book and you realize, um, I guess it was like, yeah, that person is pretty unreliable in what they say. And I do find it frustrating sometimes, but then I think it's such a good turn. Like um, it's a very good um, writing style. style yeah. Yeah. yeah, exactly. I, I really enjoy it though. I don't know. I think it's funny, but it's been used so much recently yeah. that it's probably like not surprising anymore. True, true. And I, I guess like one of the reasons why, apart from all the reasons that we are familiar with Game of Thrones, the books are so popular is because I guess every chapter is about from the perspective of a different character. So you get to see the right. same kind of events slightly different, differently and it gives you a more well-rounded perspective. Otherwise, like you said, you sort of empathize with the character, even the maybe immoral things that a character does, it sort of gets justified. Um, you don't really think why that what are the implications yeah and i was thinking of actually some authors trying to commercialize on that like <laughs> or maybe i might i might be wrong but like yeah. stephanie meyer who wrote twilight yeah so the whole twilight series was from the 
from the girls from Bella's point of view. Yeah. And then she also wrote a book from Edward's point of view, yeah. which is, I guess, sort of interesting for the fans, but yeah. it's also like a, has this commercial. Yeah, um, so it's like a cash grab. But, uh, yeah, yeah that, that's true. I, that, that is literally the example I was thinking of. Like you just you basically just wrote the same book again with them. <laughs> <laughs> Yeah, I know. Well, I, I guess it's easier for for the author. Mm. I mean, you don't have to invite in to make the plot once again. You're just gonna yeah, you just need to write the the, the dialogue and like that. Maybe throw in a few things that you didn't know. But yeah, that's that's interesting. Um, yeah. Okay. Um, I guess the next question is: Do you have since we're talking about stories? Do you have a funny story from your childhood that your family likes to talk about that you can share? Not necessarily from your childhood, but like, yeah. Oh God. Story about you. <laughs> yeah, you know, my my family. I feel like, and all families are, I guess, pretty similar in that way. They have like, a couple of stories that they yeah. repeat over and over again from my childhood. Yeah. It, at this point, it's not even funny. Like, it's <laughs> I I don't understand what what they find funny about that. And uh, the more they, I guess, tell the stories, um, the bigger changes stories the story will have like um they always tell the stories about me being I was pretty artistic and like pretty outgoing when I was when I was a child mm -hmm. and then it sort of disappeared as I was growing up I became mm -hmm. more I guess reserved and in myself mm -hmm. but um yeah they were just have quick stories about me singing and like being presenting like I'm Britney Spears or something and like uh -huh. wearing a wig mm -hmm. but uh, most of those stories are pretty visual so if I I will try to tell you about those. They will probably not make any sense and they'll be pretty boring. But uh, yeah, I just don't know. I don't really have many funny stories. It's just like all related to me singing and dancing and behaving stupid. So like, we, need to, we need to see you sing and dance at some point of time, Jenny. <laughs> oh, well, well, if you come to, a, if we come to a like sound Rockman party, you'll see me dancing. But you will probably not hear me singing because I'm, kind of shy about it unless we do karaoke nights and so. then let's do that uh, we'll do karaoke <laughs> soon um okay that, that that's interesting um i guess it's time to introduce the topic for the episode which i'm quite i'm quite interested to hear about your thoughts because i've completely i've mentioned this on the podcast before i stand on the opposite end of the spectrum when it comes so the topic we have for today is why should you read fiction um I had an episode with Kevin Lee where we talked about why everyone should read. And yeah, that, that, that's sort of one of those things like, oh, you should eat healthy and exercise and read. Like it's mm -hmm. one of those uh, things that people tell you all the time to do. But why fiction? Like I can understand asking someone to read like one of these sort of nonfiction books, like, you know, the atomic habits and those kind of things mm -hmm. which are really popular. And I personally do see value in that, but like, fiction um let, let's let's start like uh right so i i, I kind of think that it it starts with your reading journey with your mm -hmm. personal reading journey and um i will i probably will tell you a yeah, bit of mine yeah. and then you can tell me yours yeah, yeah. um when i was younger uh, you know like growing up in like post-soviet country mm -hmm. books were not during the soviet union books were pretty rare like it was it wasn't easy to find those and mm. mostly all of those were from Russian authors it was really hard to find foreign authors translated into Russian however like in time it got better obviously and my grandparents had pretty extensive library uh they had so many books but I was uh, I guess 
young at that time and uh, just like I didn't pay attention to that much but when I was five I, I remember it I don't know why but I remember it so well like my granddad just came home and he bought me four books of Harry Potter like the first four ones that just came oh, out wow. and uh, I, I was excited I never like I was so young I never heard of Harry Potter or anything and yeah, I was like yeah. uh, before that I um, my parents and my grandparents they read me fairy tales and just like child books and whatnot and uh I remember my mom reading me the very first book and I just got, got I got hooked. Like I, I loved the plot, I loved the characters, I loved it. Yeah. But my mom was working at that time, so she couldn't dedicate much time on like, reading Harry Potter to me. Mm. So I just, at some point I remember telling her that like, mom, I'm just gonna read by myself. Like I mm. wanna go with my own pace, right? Mm. And yeah, that I still like, I just remember that Harry Potter was the first real uh, book that I read and uh, I always like maybe because I started reading very when I was very very young yeah. I did it purely for entertainment mm. and once again at that time like we did not have an extensive access to the internet right yeah we had tv but um my parents did not have like a satellite tv at their house my grandparents did so when I went over to their house I could watch like cartoons and mm. stuff but um and my parents house we did not have like mm. those channels so yeah everything and that I did was like playing with my toys and reading books. And I feel like I still, I, I kept the same attitude towards reading throughout my whole life as a hobby and as a way to just enjoy, spend time with myself, sort of reflect on things and, or just not reflect on things, but get lost in the book because there were so many things happening in my life. And like I was, I have always been, as I told you, pretty sensitive person and like I get things close very closer to my heart so um I needed that time for me to I don't know to hide from the world I guess and also growing up I did not have many friends um yeah I don't know I just was I don't know why I think all the girls um all the children which lived uh, in my building and I lived in an apartment building they were much older than me and they just didn't want to hang out with like a, a girl who's five years younger than them right because they were teens and I was a child. Yeah. So, yeah, and uh, that's how my journey started. But I would love to hear yours. Oh, so my reading journey even started before I started reading. My mom was, was and is still really, really into reading. So my earliest memory of, like, novels or books was... Uh, my, there are these series of, like, romance novels geared towards women called Mills and Moon. B Mills mm -hmm. and Boon. Uh, so my mom used to read a lot of those when I was like two or three and every day like uh, I'd, I'd go there and like she'd make me pick because all of them essentially are pretty much the same so she'd let me pick <laughs> so I'd, I'd look at the cover and look at the colors and I'd, I'd like be like okay you read this and you read. Um, so that was like my earliest uh, brush with like big novels like this and I'd see my mom reading them all the time um, the first uh, and then I guess in like kindergarten and like first grade, we had these series of books called Ladybird books, which were like illustrated books, maybe like six, seven pages with like nice pictures and one or two sentences above it. And they had like fairy tales and things like that. So I used to read that. And I, I guess I've always been a ner huge nerd. So I enjoyed that rather than, you know, going in the playground and biting other kids and throwing sand in their faces, which my classmates at the time enjoyed doing. Um, so I did that. And then 
when I was in second grade, that's where like I read my first, like what I would consider a legit book. Uh, we went to some some place for like a holiday and it was like this old like in sort of place which had these books and they had a Enid Blyton, um, the famous five uh, book. I picked that up and like throughout that holiday, it was like a five, six day holiday, I read that. And I really, really, really liked it um, because I really liked it. And my mom had obviously grown up reading Enid Blyton's as well. Um, I think it, those novels are written in like the early thirties. So they were around um, when like my mom was growing up. So she went and bought all of them for me. So I read those. Harry Potter came in a bit later. In fact, for the longest time, people around me, especially uh, people who were a little older than me were really obsessed with it. Like I remember there was this girl who used to go in my school bus who was absolutely obsessed with Harry Potter. She used to call him her boyfriend. And uh, <laughs> <laughs> uh, so like, maybe it seems like it's something that, um, yeah, that good girls are probably into. Um, and then after like the hype was too much, I guess my mom got it first, she read it. Um, and then when she read it, I, no, no, no. So then the movies also came out. So I actually first saw the movie and then sort of went back and watched all the, uh, I read all the books. Um, and, and then from there on, it was, uh, these books by, I mean, the, that's the ghost title of the author called Franklin W. Dixon. So Hardy Boys. I used to read a lot of those, uh, yeah, I read those. Yeah. uh, and a bit of goosebumps here and there, but. But then, like, I was, I wasn't like, I wouldn't read consistently. Like, these specific books are the ones that I can really remember having read. Uh, uh, and then, in like middle school, we shifted cities. I was in a new school. I used to go on the school bus. It was like an hour-long journey. I had absolutely no friends, and I was in the most one-second journey. Uh-huh. Are you good? Yeah, no, we, <laughs> no Yeah, so in the in the school bus, I had no friends. So I used to read read books. And that is when like it really picked up. I used to start a Hardy Boy novel in the morning while going to school. And by the time we got home, like on the way back, I would finish it. So wow. through that I got through a lot of books. But then I sort of gave up on reading where it seemed like I did not have the concentration to sit through and read fiction. I felt no value out of reading it I you know because it requires a lot of concentration it takes up a lot of your time um and if I'm just doing it for entertainment other things sort of start coming in so like video games and movies and tv shows and right um so they started coming in and, and time started becoming less so I did not have that luxury um and then throughout my life I picked it up again now and then so like in my undergrad in my uh, final year of my undergrad, I did a minor in history. So our final um, final course had a lot of reading in it. And through that, me and my roommate got into reading quite a bit. So we tried doing the 50 book challenge. I was unable to do two books that year. <laughs> <laughs> um, but then this whole sort of nonfiction self-help sort of thing kicked in. So like the two-hour job search and atomic habits and things like that. So now I read those, but like fiction, I'm still like a little, like if we on, I feel like, like right now at Rotman, right? We have absolutely no time to do anything. If I get like an hour for entertaining myself, instead of starting a new book, I'd rather like watch a video on YouTube. I don't even, I feel like I don't even have the patience to start a new TV series on Netflix anymore. Like I can't even do that level of comment. So that's sort of where I'm, I'm at in my reading journey. 
Yeah, so. absolutely. Like the concentration issue is so big now. And I have the same issue too, because I am a huge TikTok like, person that yeah. I love watching TikTok. I love being on TikTok, right? But oh, um, like it's just- Ask you yeah. for TikTok and love. <laughs> <laughs> I would do that, yeah. So my concentration level decreased significantly in time, but I think I like, and also what you were telling about um, those waves of like reading and then not mm-hmm. reading, um, It I think it happens to everyone. I think it's really hard to, read consistently throughout your whole life like obviously we have so much going on and it's really hard to do that but uh during the pandemic actually when we were in lockdown um i sort of started reading again and it was really nice because it's always like yeah it does come in it does come in waves yeah i had like a very intense three years of working so (laughs) i i i I still read but not as much as i would love to Mm. but now it now it's so hard to like i i still i, I have been reading this book which called mm. uh, the song of achilles yeah. i've been reading for like three months i think but now i just like have no time yeah it's so like that. you for because the the sort of inertia required to you know focus and not do anything is so much that just the fact that it might be something potentially something interesting is not enough Either it needs to be something that sort of grips you in the first few pages where you're like, now I need to know what happens till the end, or there needs to be a reason. So like, now that I look back, I read the self-help books because it, you know, it's really, really popular and like, you know, people talk about it. So I feel like, you know, I might be able to take away something from it. Or if I read mm-hmm. fiction, it's like specific media franchises. So like I've read the, all the 21 James Bond novels. Mm-hmm. Uh, multiple times over but that's because i like james bond so even if like somewhere in between it starts to get boring i'm like no i have to like i identify myself as someone who really likes james bond so i have to get through this or same thing with like uh, harry potter there's some like nostalgic value associated with it so if i read one um harry potter i feel like is like the universal uh, book like yeah. everyone loves it like you walk up to a random group of millennials and you talk about <laughs> harry potter i'm pretty sure everyone's going to be like um, it's a great icebreaker. It's, it's a great, like uh, Ash, um, Ash got a LASIK surgery done last year. So she couldn't like read, but she used mm-hmm. to listen to Harry Potter audiobooks and like she went through yeah. all of them in like a week or so. Um, it's actually, yeah, it's like a safe space for many people because yeah. it's associated with sometimes with childhood and like with good memories when everything was fine. You know, we're adults. <laughs> life is hard so yeah it's nice to go back to it why why do you think harry potter became so universally popular like what was about it that made it so so good um i think well first of all it was one of those few books that was actually translated into many many languages Mm -hmm. um and it was like um it's also like a series of books so it's like watching a show and this anticipation of the next book coming out Mm -hmm was also big um and there was also i feel there were so many reliable characters you know there were so many characters in general so you can uh i guess like you could relate to you could relate to ron you could relate to harry to Mm. hermione maybe or like to Ginny weasley like there's so many characters yeah and um everyone can find something from it and also it's just it's a fairy tale it's still like a like a fairy tale it's something like from very early years of your life and your mom read you I think yeah as Christian Anderson or something like that but it it at the same time it has more mature topics mm. and as you you kind of grow up 
with the books with those books with yeah. the books exactly yeah. and also the films like i think the popularity of films added the value yeah. to books yeah i i think uh yeah that's all right i feel like one of the things was that the english was much simpler um in the harry potter books compared to some of the other things that i attempted reading at the time like mm-hmm. so that sort of reduced the barrier to entry and then like you said they were all very relatable characters and like when i was going through puberty and having like my first crushes and all of that harry potter was having those crushes and all that <laughs> like you could relate to that um and then yeah like in the initial like like if you look at the first three four books there's such easy reads there's nobody like dying and stuff it's like very nice cheerful topics is about like friendship and all of that and then and there was at least one no there was at least one person dying in each book <laughs> come on who that in the front did squirrel die squirrel the the guy yeah. who had yeah. Voldemort in on yeah. The, like, yeah. i think he, he died. died but like he he was Voldemort just like uh, nobody cares he was a bad guy so he yeah. deserved it <laughs> yeah yeah uh, yeah in 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 the second book people started dying like mrs norris died and although she was a cat <laughs> <laughs> yeah right. i know what you mean but, but yeah i think like... the world building, like i played the video games of harry potter as well and the movies and then yeah uh, when you and then i think when you watch a movie and then you read you can visualize better like i'm someone i've always maintained mm-hmm. that i'm not very good at visualization like when people tell me oh like even when you talk about like outfits and stuff like okay this this thing with this i can't like i, I have to see how it looks to really tell so watching a movie and then reading it help me visualize like the cast yeah sorry i cut you off you were doing oh it's okay no worries but yeah i do agree with you like some people need to visualize characters because like reading a book is sort of having a movie in your head and you need yeah. those characters to pop in yeah, your mind yeah, yeah so i get it but sometimes it's really disappointing when you when you read a book first and then a yeah. movie or a tv show comes out and you just like you like you never imagined that person yeah being i don't know edward from twilight yeah yeah and also okay so actually speaking of harry potter i feel like the whole podcast would be a harry potter podcast at this point but um i think i get, i feel like now it's harder to love harry potter with um jk rowling like she i don't know if you heard about it but um she has been like writing pretty controversial stuff on twitter about uh transgender people um lgbtq community as a whole yeah. and it's just like i feel like now harry potter is not a safe place uh to be as it used to be and sometimes i kind of sort of reevaluate my whole love for the series because the author is obviously has values different from mine and opinions different from mine and and it's just like there's this issue of separating a narcissist from from the art right like yeah, yeah. similar things happen to like Johnny Depp um like those celebrities i don't know i not no one else came into my mind so <laughs> except for him for some reason but you know what i mean like it's or like Woody Allen but like, he has some good movies but yeah. what he has done is was not good yeah yeah it's sort of also like in this case um uh, it's like the time when that was when harry potter was created it was the early 2000s um like this awareness and uh visibility of the lgbt wasn't as much there as it is now um so like i, I don't know i feel like you shouldn't um uh, worry too much about how those sort of things age now in terms mm-hmm. of like it's it's unfair to judge something that was created like 20 years ago 
and some right. author who was popular 20 years ago and what their th- how their thoughts have evolved like a, a lot of like artists also go crazy the the fame and all of that completely screws up with their head right they feel like they can say and do anything and that changes them a lot of like you see this the most in like like rock stars like musicians and rock stars and movie celebrities but the same can happen to like someone like a jk rowling who's you know True. the most most famous author of our times um but don't sort of let that mar your entire childhood experience like for me i have literally grown up with the harry potter books and i can associate like important events in my childhood that i can link to around the release of a harry potter book or a uh, movie so it's like literally from the first book to the final movie was my entire time in school um, same same <laughs> who do you associate yourself with from harry potter uh so i that the whole sort of uh which book was it was it the sixth one where like he has a crush on cho and then like oh, he had, i mean he started from the fourth book i think fourth, but yeah. she was with yeah that, in between that, the book they had like a... yeah that that whole thing with like cho and then eventually like dating jinny like mm-hmm. that is probably the most relatable part for me obviously the part where he's like a hero and like all that bravery stuff like that that's too much like that seems like someone who's very uh like that that part i don't associate it but that whole part about that and then you know that strong in the first book where they have this sort of really strong camaraderie where like they're willing to sacrifice each other for like the golden mm-hmm. cause and friendship those were like the two parts where i really really felt relatable to it how about you what what uh... oh cho chang she was the only asian character <laughs> in the whole series oh, i'm sorry not not the only asian one they had uh uh Twin sisters, which were South Asian, Asian, I guess. Yeah, Padma, Parvati, Patel. Padma and Parvati, yeah. Yeah, yeah. But yeah, except uh, like I don't know. I I I was joking, saying that I associate myself with Cho Chang because I don't think we actually got to know her. She was just just there like a tool. After, yeah, yeah. She was there for Harry's character yeah. development. Yeah. Um, but I feel like maybe Hermione in a way. But also, like I I want to see myself as a mix between Ron and. Hermione because mm-hmm. I think Hermione is too um too serious and Ron is too careless yeah, in a way yeah. and I think there it's a good match it's a good mix. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yeah but now that I think about it you you look like that actress who played uh, Cho Chang in the movie she also has like a I'm Asian Anna. Oh, she, she has a, uh emol yeah on her oh, yeah. I didn't yeah, know about that. Yeah. Good babe. But but she got she got with like the cutest guys so I don't mind. Which it was Cedric first. She yeah. got with Cedric first and then Harry so <laughs> you go Charles we love you. <laughs> Good for you. Yeah. But then like once again like representation matters and that's that's when you can actually yeah. feel that because um once I grew up I sort of realized that I I do emphasize with like Cho Chang or Mulan because they were Asian they were just yeah. like me they looked like me yeah. and it's really important for a child to have someone who like, sort of looks like them in movies and Okay I'm going to ask you a controversial question um I have okay. some thoughts on it but I'd love your thoughts on it So I am completely on board with representation in terms of ethnicity in terms of sexual orientation in popular media but what are your thoughts about going back and retroactively changing 
media franchises that have existed in a certain rather than making new ones um i think it's the nature of movie of the movie and tv tv shows business is the whole media business is like that they don't have really good scripts nowadays hmm. so they they try to sort of um you know the like let's say had let's say harry potter once again or yeah. i don't even know which franchises starstruck i don't know yeah. they get new movies because they have already acquired that huge fan base yeah. to make a new movie and to get that the same fan base would be an enormous amount of work mm-hmm. and money for for you know for the companies so it's like an easy route for them i guess mm. and uh, whatever works for fans like fans will probably would probably hate those movies you know because they're so different from the old ones but at the same time like it's always nice to sort of go back in a way and like have something new i guess like i would like i would i love seeing those new harry potter movies the with newt newt scamander yeah the, sure but it. see those are like a spin off so so for example to your i feel like they aren't very successful so like the best example i can think of is the ghostbusters movie they tried to mm-hmm. change it and have all female characters and that movie bombed um now some people say that uh it's because like i think the female director who sort of produced it and everything she likes to say that it's it's because oh people don't like to see women in that sort of a role or whatever but it's just that you are trying to cash in on literally it's it's sort of like how um stephanie meyer wrote twilight again and just from the perspective mm-hmm. of edward and she's trying to catch it cash in on the same thing here it's like you expect people to just go watch it because you make a really shitty movie but because it it has all female protagonists you expect women to go watch it um but at the same time there's the things like Mar- what marvel does which i personally really like instead of a they don't cash in on established franchises too much like avengers nobody knew of avengers in our generation it was like this Mm-hmm. Uh, really like campy uh, series it had like a tv series in the 80s or 70s and but they made it into this really multi million dollar and now every time like black panther or uh, shang chi or all of these others like they're bringing in these new characters that have always existed and giving them so much attention and if you do it really well now you have mrs called miss miss marvel which is like this uh, south asian pakistani girl who lives in new jersey Uh, and she's going to become a superhero so like there is representation happening and you're making sort of new character and my other sort of thought process is that you have like for example let's say uh James Bond James Bond is something that i really really enjoy and it's always been like this somewhat toxic masculine character that's been around mm-hmm. um now there 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 have been talks about replacing him with like a female character uh another problem is James Bond has been really popular amongst the demographic of people who look like me and not not look like me but like men. Mhm. You try to cash in on that by changing it into a female character maybe like a, a lesbian or bisexual female character. That sort of demographic is completely different. They never liked James Bond to begin with. They have a lot of negative associations with it. So you sort of uh get rid of the existing fan base. and you don't attract the new base that you're trying to get so i feel like it's counterproductive um whereas if you i mean you can have new characters if you want to make like a action/spy character there's so many new ones that come out you with their own sort of 
backstory and everything. That's like my two cents on it when people talk about uh, like representing. Now you have all these movies like Crazy Rich Asians was like a full high budget Hollywood movie that was like, I think that was like their own story instead of like taking like a, a story or a plot line or a property that's been predominantly Caucasian and just throwing in Asian characters in it. I think mm-hmm. that worked better than, you know, doing that. But sometimes it works fine. Like in Bridgerton, have you seen Bridgerton? Yeah. Oh, the new the new app season actually came out today, I think. Oh, it came out today. Okay, then. I uh, think so. I don't know if. I, I know the, the main character is like in the whole cast is yeah. pretty much like yeah. Yeah. So I mean, I traditionally, know. I mean, it's, it's set in the UK, so obviously all the characters are shown to be royalty. Should have been mm-hmm. popular, but they've got like these black characters and then Asian characters, and I think in the new season there's like a South Asian. Like, right, yeah, she's the main character. She's the love interest, I think, uh, one of the brothers. That, I don't know, works as well because you don't have any associations with those characters before. So, like, okay, to be historically accurate, they should have been, like, all, like, white characters, but now you have them looking that, like, no, that, that is sort of a change that, like, from a historical accuracy, you know, when she cares about. But I don't know if a media property has existed for a while and then you change it. Like, for example, now in the comics, they made Thor to be a woman. Like, I, I don't know if that really works. Like, it's sort of going back and... Uh, um, yeah, it's, it's like a really tough question, I guess, because I, well, now since we're in business school and yeah. we sort of evaluate everything from the business point of view, right? Yeah. There was probably an underlying reason of them making for women like unfortunately as much as i want to believe they just want representation yeah. i feel like they they have their own agenda yeah. and that's what i don't really like about popular culture right, right now it's like they always have this agenda and i don't see any like genuity like authenticity in it yeah yeah everything and, is they will never <laughs> they will never do things for the environment of a social representation unless like it makes monetary sense no one will do that unless you run like a non-profit um, exactly. i don't think marvel is a non-profit <laughs> but like that's what people want like even um uh, sort of a similar example a similar trend that i've seen with like apparel stores uh, at least in canada is that if you go back a few years abercrombie and fitch did not even have sizes for women beyond like I guess a medium or like a size four or six. Large, but, probably, yeah. Yeah, mm-hmm. because they didn't want women who didn't fit their aesthetic to be wearing it. For men, you had larger sizes, not because they were okay with men wearing it, but there were like you know football players who were like really big and tall. So for them, mm-hmm. and uh, I think that CEO was famously quoted as saying that like he'd rather burn those excess clothes ra- rather than to give them to the homeless and see homeless people wearing them. And we've gone from there to now like all the stores like adidas did their campaign recently and if you go to any any of these stores like all a they have representation in terms of body shape and size in the models that show up in the ads and b in terms of like what is available in terms of sizes like there's no no longer like a plus or a big and tall section it's all like one and they're not doing this because suddenly they've woken up and they've realized that you know body positivity is a thing they're doing this because they know that now social media is really strong and if you as a brand don't do this you will get cancelled and you lose out so you need to like buck up 
which is fine. Like, which is, I guess, the reason why we have all of this, like the fact that you have social media as a powerful activism tool to get, you know, big corporations to change. But right. yeah, to your point about the fact that they don't do it out of the goodness of their hearts, they do it because that's where the money is. I do agree with, unfortunately. But there are also some brands like, you know, Brandy Melville, like it's a big girl's brand, like a women's brand. Brandy Melville's motto is one size fits all. And it's been like that for like years. They do not, they just don't carry bigger sizes. They have that one size and they're just like fit in or get out. Oh, sure. Um, (laughs) They will get canceled. They will get canceled. I mean, Victoria's Secret also like had their whole like models and, you know, looking a certain aesthetic and like that's getting, like, I think, hasn't that show been canceled already? I think it has. It was canceled because, you know, it was just pretty tall, predominantly white women walking down. Yeah the pod- yeah. podium but now they try to they they try to change the strategy by yeah. um having like i think priyanka chopra is one of the new faces or something like that might, i might be wrong but like they they try to attract new customers and be like we love all women yeah all yeah. sizes all colors yeah. but Everything is but yeah. like nobody i feel like nobody buys it now because yeah. we just have this idea of victoria's secret being a yeah. certain way so yeah. it's really hard to change customers perception now yeah yeah, all, yeah all, look, at, London marketing, yeah. <laughs> look at that i was actually like about to say that like i, I just feel i feel awful now because my mindset has changed i don't know radically since i came to rotman sometimes mm-hmm. i talk to my friends and they're just like oh my god you are a business student who are you now <laughs> <laughs> Uh, I I so people around me so like for example Ash probably bears the biggest brunt of it. Whenever we are studying for like a finals, literally mm-hmm. every conversation and I'll only be picking up like things and phrases from that course. <laughs> <laughs> I know, same. Like um, up oper- like from operations from last yeah. term, I feel like we yeah. got so many terms. Yeah. <laughs> 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 yeah, that Rockman Wine Society when it got really crowded, you were like. I wonder what the coefficient of arrival right. is. Right, <laughs> exactly, exactly, yeah. Because <laughs> where is the bottleneck? Yeah. Guys, we need to find it. <laughs> Would it be better if they had two servers, both pouring drinks and then both pour, uh, cleaning glasses or having oh it? Oh my God, <laughs> Vahid would love it. <laughs> uh, but yeah, I like how our conversation switched from like, why should there be fiction to why representation matters? <laughs> but I love that. I love that. Uh, okay, you you mentioned something. So I, I don't know what the exact timeline is, but were you around when um, like Kyrgyzstan was Kazakhstan was part of um, the USSR or were you born after? Uh, no, no. So it collapsed in nineteen ninety one, mm-hmm. and I was born in ninety six. Oh, okay. So I did. I didn't actually like. Yeah, I didn't experience within in the Soviet Union, but I, like, it's still, it's been just five yeah. years, after like, when I was, after yeah. the collapse, so sure. I, growing up, I knew, I learned a lot of things, and, like, what my parents told me, and the whole mm-hmm. society, and I feel like we're still a little bit mentally, still in the Soviet Union, in a way, mm-hmm. yeah. you know, we, people have this mentality, of, like, my grand, my granddad, mm-hmm. like, he is still there, yeah. he's very much there, yeah. <laughs> but, yeah. So, so, how is it, like, how is sort of like the the everyday day-to-day life different in sort of growing in a city or a country that has that strong influence as opposed to let's say be a city like Toronto not right. like I feel like people 
people, when they hear about my country, they think like, oh, it's kind of exotic. Like, I've never heard of that. It might be like way different from what we have. And then they meet me and they talk to me and I'm, we're, yeah. I'm pretty much like, I feel like Europeanized at this point. And yeah. we also like, it's Central Asia. So we have this part of like, we have Asian culture, we have Slavic culture from Russia, but also like European culture is also big there. Yeah, yeah. So it's not, it's not, trust me, it's not way different from like living anywhere. Obviously like we have different, I think people are from Kyrgyzstan living in Kyrgyzstan, they have different problems in their lives and just in general, like a little bit different lifestyle, but it's all the same. Hmm. Like, no, I was asking more from like, I know things from like the economy and growth and all of that mm-hmm. change, but like in terms of how they look at the life, look at the world or in that perspective, do you think uh, there's any sort of difference in that? I feel like just like probably any society uh, in any country, they, there are many different layers. There are people who still, you know, love Soviet Union. They mm-hmm. uh, love Russia being the main ally. They support Russia. And there are so many people who just want to experience new things. They want Kyrgyzstan to mm-hmm. be more democratic. And mm-hmm. we have democracy, mm-hmm. but we're still pretty reliant on Russia. Mm-hmm. And uh, I think I'm one of those people who just more western in a way mm-hmm. and that's mm-hmm. that's what probably brought me here mm-hmm. uh, and there were obviously there are so many things that i would like to change about my country yeah. um, but until i feel like the majority of people supports a certain point of view it's really hard to do that and this is the way they got accustomed like this is the way they live um i don't know it's 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 it, it's interesting it's really like country and I'm, i try not to say many possibly offensive like controversial things so, like, so I, mean, I, I get I get everything I want like press you more on it and I feel India India is pretty much the same as well um it's it's made up of so many people and they have different like ideologies and thought processes and um obviously the the whole countries in fact I feel like India is too big and too too much diversity so it's it's even hard mm. to realize what the like what the average Indian thinks because it's 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 very hard but I I do agree that I consider myself to be a little more western in ideology than than most people that I see around me in India and which is why um, I'm also here because I sort of identify more with the country. Yeah and and I think it's also like related to the fact that we had access to the internet. <laughs> I don't know it's my it's my it's my I don't know it's my it's just a thought yeah. but um yeah I feel like I just used internet so much I was pretty much accustomed to the western culture <laughs> wasn't that hard to adapt here I knew yeah. it all before read it on the internet <laughs> yeah I agree uh, with with the internet with like like for like foreign western media tv show movies like you know exactly how they live how well you might not experience it exactly like that but it's not like that huge like culture shock or you don't feel like you're fresh off the board right here. like you exactly know, everything but they don't they don't really know how we live back in our country so <laughs> i'll tell you something really really funny so there's a really really um, smart friend of mine um like so smart that he worked for nasa mm. he still thinks that new delhi and dubai is the same city <laughs> wait what yeah he, he said he thinks that the way in New Delhi is the same city. Oh, <laughs> <laughs> like in the sense of like the fact that they basically don't care about any other countries apart from their own. That that, that regard. <laughs> I see, but also to be fair, there are so many countries that I don't know many things about. 
So I can't shame people for not knowing how we live in Kyrgyzstan and where it is located. Like there are some countries that I don't know where they're located. And like, I don't, I don't think that I'm like the dumbest person alive, but still like we have this box, we have this bubble of our interests and I guess of just in general things that we experience on a daily basis. And we don't really learn much apart from it. So I kind of get it, but it's nice to learn new things. It's nice. That's why it's it's so cool to be in Rotman, right? Meeting yeah, new people from so different many countries. Different cultures. Yeah, and I, and I think also like I'm sure there are people in uh, in your country and in my country that are getting out of their own city. So yeah, like if you ask them, they wouldn't know about most of the country. Um, and even here, there are people like I've seen this sort of pattern where, like especially in North America, people there are a lot of people who've never even gone to the other coast. Like they're 25 years of age, 26 years of age, and they've never gone to the other coast. Uh, mm-hmm. left the country, most people have not even left the city. And then there are, there's only two extremes. Like either there are people like this, or there are people who've like literally traveled the world, like 30 countries. Yeah. There's no in between. I think um, it's just also depends on opportunities, right? Well, but for, like for me, I yeah. had limited opportunities in terms of visa. Like it's really hard for me to get visa yeah. to many countries. Yeah. So there was like a, huge I guess I don't know reason why I didn't travel as much as I would love to and but there are also some people who live as you said in like Canada or America and they've never traveled anywhere because they're just so it's not because they can't they're just like comfortable with what they have and what they are yeah like and especially like if you talk about people in I'm not talking about like hardcore like metropolitans like New York and LA and Miami but like talk about like a small city or a town or even like Mm -hmm. a mid-sized town so like I spent some time in Portland, Oregon, and at least 70% of the people that I met had not even gone out of Oregon. Like the most they've probably gone is to like the states nearby, to like Washington or Idaho, but that's it. And they've had like a fulfilling life. Like they've grown up, they went to school, they went to college, they went to state college, they got hired by a firm that was located within their city. They work there, they've grown up like friends, they don't leave. There's never really a need to go out and about. Um, so, exactly. So. I had the same experience as you. I, I, I lived in the States for a year. I lived in Massachusetts as yeah. an exchange student. And I lived in a very small town. And people there are just like they, you expect America like to be like New York. And yeah. then you come there and it's a yeah. small town. And people have different problems there. Yeah. They just like, yeah. 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 It's very different. And honestly, I, I prefer um, small towns or big cities. Oh, really yeah. which, which is why i like toronto it's like a it's it's like a metropolitan city but it's also not like as big and as crowded as like a new york would be you should live like down like down downtown like i don't even know where's downtown it's more young downtown like at that area you would probably think oh my god i hate toronto <laughs> i'm just kidding but yeah i get it uh, i feel like it's a good mixture of like yeah. um a city and yeah it's like if town. I don't know if I if I live in a small town at least if this age I probably get bored so it's like good uh, I anyway like it uh, yeah I think I've gone through all, everything I had in my notes the only thing left is to ask you for your TikTok handle but I will do that offline so <laughs> oh my god I'll give you my TikTok but I don't post anything on TikTok that's the, that's the thing I post I I make sometimes I sometimes I make TikToks but they are private oh. because I'm scared of people seeing me on TikTok like from school. But we can send each other relatable TikToks all the time. That's what I do. Yeah. I always send Mahima TikToks. She yeah. never checks it. And then I'm like, I sent you something on TikTok. Look it up. And she will look it up. I'm like, 
no, I love TikTok. TikTok, so like the superior platform, like Instagram Reels, uh, is like not even close. I feel like you know when the plat a certain platform dies when they just copy content from another platform, and that's what Instagram does nowadays. They just call like they take TikToks and post it. So. <laughs> yeah, but like the algorithm doesn't work as well. Like mm-hmm. most of the reels that are show up on my um, feed are literally the same sort of thing, same kinds of things. Whereas TikTok is like very very drilled down to a very specific niche. Like the that sort of I don't know how it works, but I know I think the algorithm is amazing. Yeah, and uh, I just like TikTok just saved my life during the pandemic. To be honest, <laughs> like I was honestly like I wanted to go to a therapist, but then I got TikTok in my books, <laughs> and I was fine. <laughs> uh, <laughs> uh, you should have like an alternate business model where they start competing with. I'm just kidding. Oh my god! Here we go, business students. CDL. Make- <laughs> oh my god, we have a deadline today, Anag. Yeah. Uh, I'm, I'm done with the core idea, so that's why I'm like, the one on Friday is the one that's scaring me. <laughs> oh, I'm jealous, because I was so like, I had so many assignments this week. Anyways, I don't think that your listeners want to hear how many assignments we've had, because they had the same <laughs> amount of assignments. They're oh. just like, stop complaining. <laughs> Yeah. This is what you chose. <laughs> Nobody made you come to Rotman, duh. <laughs> okay, so um, final. Let's just wrap up. Uh, first question: Do you have like an insightful idea or a thought that you've heard, read, thought about in the past few weeks, not necessarily related to the topic? Really? Mm, wow. I've been thinking of. Well, it's it's still about the whole fiction. I guess mm-hmm. thing that nowadays it's so rare to see a movie like an original movie mm-hmm. not based on a book and I feel like we will come to a point where just I know scripts will not be written anymore because there there will be authors providing books to Netflix and Lionsgate and whatnot and I just know that kind of makes me sad like the whole the, the whole segment is dying in a way and I actually like um I don't mind some books to never be made in a movie, like to just certain books stay in being books. Because um, it's sort of like keeping it to myself, I guess. Mm. I gatekeep my books. I gatekeep the books that I read. <laughs> That's the thing. That's probably not it's, sort of like, it's sort of like, uh, you know, there was this very specific niche thing that you like read and you enjoyed. And then it becomes a movie and then suddenly everyone is talking about it. And then you feel like, no, like this book was mine. Like it was my thing. And now like, um, I I don't know if that's what you're sort of getting at. Yeah, 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 exactly. Like, oh uh, yeah, I know it's mean. And I, I do share it with my friends who read yeah. like certain books that I like, but yeah. yeah. And uh, also about TikTok and books, yeah. book talk is like yeah. a huge thing nowadays. And I am all in book talk. And uh, they don't gatekeep their books. They they give some pretty good recommendations. I never read a couple of uh, books that they recommended. Yeah. So I recommend everyone to to dive deep deeper into book yeah, talk. Book talk. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> well, TikTok is like a good. Um, so during the pandemic, I started like I installed TikTok for the first time, and I, I realized that outside of like the the dance videos that it sort of gets a lot of flack for it. There's so much like different kinds of content that 
that I don't know if you've seen, I'm sure you've seen this, this woman who did like Excel tutorials and it'll be like her dancing like at the bottom half of the screen and like a screencast of the thing that she's trying to teach. And they were like quick things like how to do this or how to do that. So. Oh, I know. Our TikToks are very different. <laughs> I don't have anything Excel related, but that's, that's a good idea. That's funny. No, no, so she she blew up like now. She she runs a whole business. Her name's like her mm. Instagram handle is Miss Excel. I guess TikTok was also the same. She has like a million plus followers. And she runs this whole business of like now just doing Excel tutorials. And she teaches it to like companies and that shit like that. So but that's how she 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 did this like part-time and you know. That's awesome. Like that's so that's how smart of them. And TikTok <laughs> is like a, is like new YouTube. You know, people made so much money on YouTube, like people yeah. popular YouTubers. Yeah. So I guess that's what's gonna happen with TikTok. That's what's happening with it yeah. nowadays. Like I don't even know, like TikTokers, like Edison Ray. She's like she has like Netflix deals and everything. Yeah. Addison Ray, uh, Charlie D'Amelio. She got yeah. like Dunkin' Donuts make a drink dedicated after her. She got invited by Prada to go fly to Paris attend their fashion show. She got a bunch of shit from them. Um, yeah, she has a Hulu um, reality series too. Yeah. How come we know so much about Charlie D'Amelio? That's embarrassing. <laughs> we should be embarrassed of ourselves. <laughs> why? Why not? Like it's it's. Uh, Just kidding. No, what I find interesting yeah. about TikTok is that so like Instagram or YouTube or Facebook fan pages uh generally the most followed person on these platforms is like a celebrity from like hollywood or like a sports person but on tiktok the the biggest person that and and the difference is not that much but like in tiktok charlie demelio is like leaps and bounds over the like the following is way more than anything on instagram anything on youtube like she had like i don't know 50 million maybe it's 100 now like like her following is like more than canada canada's population at this point i guess <laughs> or like kyrgyzstan's population is way way behind <laughs> <laughs> yeah so, so that's very interesting like that sort of dynamic and she's only like when she started she was like a 16 year old she was she was still in like high school and i guess now she must be an undergrad uh but yeah. that's why like i, I started reading about tiktok and in, in terms of like people who are really popular and what what is sort of their background how their parents are involved and mm-hmm. uh, like how it all works and so that's how i am about charlie demiller i personally don't really find her videos very interesting um we're and, from different age group you know her age group is a bit younger than us i guess they find it maybe the other thing i sort of find interesting is that like on instagram every post like all of these like big people that they do is like perfect polished edited like there'll be one post mm-hmm. spending like a gazillion hours youtube is also kind of similar it's like edited in like a studio and then there's tiktok like she literally posts 10 videos of her like her room is also not clean there's not good lighting and all of that and like it's so mm-hmm. like, different in that sort of dynamic as well which i love how our podcast is now talking <sighs> about. it's okay <laughs> oh one also like uh, an interesting thing that i have recently thought about at least like there, do you know Sofia Coppola? Um, she's a, like a director, and she's from the Coppola family. Similar, but like I don't like an Yeah, you can go on. Uh, yeah, so she she made some movies like I think Marie Antoinette, Virgin Suicides, so whatever. But she has had this one quote that I think really relates to the whole media entertainment business, and she says something like, "It's about misunderstandings between people and places, and being disconnected 
and just looking for moments of connection. And I think it's this is what actually entertainment business is about. The people people just looking for connection, uh, either connecting to characters or to other people through discussing books and TikToks and movies and. For sure, for sure. It goes goes back to the point where, like, if you walk into a room full of millennials, just start talking about Harry Potter. <laughs> or, well, it used to be Game of Thrones. I miss those times. I miss when Game of Thrones united all of us. <laughs> <laughs> no, I, I wasn't into Game of Thrones as much. Um, Harry Potter for sure, though. Um, now mm-hmm. Harry Potter has that nostalgia. But yeah, this also sort of goes back to like adding to the quote that you said about Sofia Coppola. Um, when the pandemic hit everybody was like turning to like watching movies, reading books and, you know, turning towards the arts to sort of feel nice. And that's when everyone was like, yeah, you keep talking about like cutting funding for arts and like artists are not important to society as much as like engineers and doctors are. But like right now you you can't like, there's literally, can you imagine like surviving the pandemic if art did not exist? Um, I know, what would we do? <laughs> well, some people build houses. There was like a whole, like, a, yeah, a whole thing of like build making renovations at home. I guess that's what we thought of them. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> no, art, art saves our soul. And uh, it's really, it's, it's just a form of therapy. For sure. <laughs> okay. Final question before we wrap up. Who would you like featured as the next guest on the podcast? Oh my God. I feel like you've had so many friends of mine. <laughs> um, oh, it's hard. I, I didn't know that that question would puzzle me like <laughs> that, that, the most out of all that you have. <laughs> oh, you should you should ask like some profs to come to your podcast. That would be fun mm. to human. We, we would humanize them even more than we already do. Yeah, that would be. Um, yeah. But out of Rodman people, huh? No, I think you've had like all my friends. Oh, I know who you should invite, Matt. <laughs> Matt would be so much fun. I feel like Matt has has so much to say in general. I know, I know. he has so much to say. He's so funny. He's so absolutely He's the greatest. Yeah, for sure. Yeah, I've reached out to Matt. Um, and let's see what he says. Um, oh, hopefully, yeah, you'll you'll be able to catch him. He's a he's a very busy guy, but so busy. Hopefully. Yeah. Thank All you right. so much for having me. It was so much fun. Thank you for uh, joining and taking time out. It was literally a blast. Like we've gone like this. We've been recording for 75, almost 75 minutes. Oh, uh, yay. Is this the longest episode? Probably. <laughs> Is it? Oh, my God. Well, you're still going to edit it, right? So. I'm not really going to edit it too much. Um, like, I'm going to just put in like it is. Um, I, but I really enjoyed it. Like, what I'm saying is that it went on for so long because I enjoyed it. Some of the episodes have been, like, 30 minutes. Not to say those are not fun, but, like... Oh, my God, are you shading those people? I hope they won't <laughs> listen to this podcast. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Oh, yeah, it was a blast. I really loved it. And, uh, yeah. Thank you. Thank you so yeah. much. I'm going to stop recording now. Um...